Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the People Project Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Alexander, and each week I bring you episodes on different topics that affect us all in different ways, internally, externally, or sometimes both. So last week I was joined by my wonderful mom and dad and um, while I was in Memphis for Thanksgiving and we just talked um, about their lives and about our lives and my life and all the things and it was so much fun. Um, From what I've heard, I think you guys really enjoyed it. So thank you for letting them come on and giving them such a warm welcome. Um, I think they really enjoyed it too. So this week, uh, my guest will be Craig Howard. Um, Craig is a friend of mine that I met through the Challenge uh, Mania community, and uh, he reached out to me um, not too long ago um, to tell his story. So, without further ado, here's my interview with Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for joining me. I don't know um, how the weather is where you are, but it is a very gloomy Sunday here in Kentucky gloomy but it's still like 70 here in Atlanta. yeah it's it's like 60 here um so it's like unseasonably warm and it's very windy um but it's weird because yes. it's december but whatever yeah, um this is not a podcast about weather so sorry to everyone that that's gonna disappoint um craig actually reached out to me i guess it was a couple months ago now um and asked me if i would be interested in doing an episode on addiction and recovery um because as i understand that's something craig that you have um a history with and experience with and so i said absolutely like that's what this podcast is for is for a platform for people to tell their stories so that's what we're going to do. So, Craig, if you want to kind of give everybody a little bit of information about you as we dive right in. Um, thank you, Kelsey. Yeah, I did this mainly because of what I've been through. I'm not a doctor. I haven't studied this. This is all through life experience. So my opinion is my opinion. But, um, you know, I just feel like sometimes addiction and alcoholism is something that people are afraid to talk about, even if Mm -hmm. it's not you, if it's somebody that you're, you know, family or friends. And I just kind of want to, you know, tell my story or, and talk about it and kind of relieve the stigma because, um, you know, I'm, I'm in recovery and it's beyond my wildest dreams of, of what I thought that could happen in my life. Um, yeah. So, you know, and I live in Atlanta, been here most of my life. Um, I got sober for the second time, which we can get into that. Um, <laughs> almost, it, it'll be seven years on April 10th. Mm-hmm. And I like to do things in April because I was born on April 12th. Okay. And uh, my wedding anniversary is April 13th. So that's a, it's a, it's a good month for th- you. A lot of things going on that weekend. Yeah, very significant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I don't know if you just want me to start. From, yeah, dive on in. Um, so really I grew up normal. I, I don't, as you, as I delved into looking at why I was drinking and, and doing drugs, I, I had to go back into my childhood and I had a seemingly okay childhood and I don't want to get into a lot of things, but it wasn't okay. There's just a lot of things that mm-hmm. I hate to be like, oh, blame. I'm not blaming my parents. I'm not blaming anything. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, I grew up with an alcoholic father who um, got sober when I was 20 and stayed sober till he passed away in, um, three years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I had that dysfunction going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Um and I vowed that it would never affect me, yeah. you know, when I was younger. Um, there was no, it, there was, it was more disappearance and it was more uh, being the adult. My parents splitting up mm-hmm. and they, they did get back together when he got sober. But there's just stuff that I had to look at. There was stuff that happened to me when I was a child that um, I think was a cause for escape. And it actually was a cause for anger later on. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, well, the, I think one of the most telling things is my very first drunk. Um, we moved to Texas when I was a freshman in high school and I lived there for five years. But my first drunk, um, I 
was hanging out with some seniors and we went on a boat and they had Jack Daniels and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd never even seen it. I was a you know freshman yeah. and I took a drink and, uh, literally the last thing I remember saying is this isn't hitting me yet. Give me more. And then they, um, <clears throat> had to basically animal house me, prop me on my doorstep <laughs> and they ran cause they were afraid oh, of my no. parents. And, you know, I stumbled in and my dad was laughing and my mom was freaking out and I threw up on the stairs. And, right. uh, it was a, it was a school night too. So oh, the next no. night my mom was like, you were not staying home from a hangover, but I was good and manipulative. So I stayed home. Um, <laughs> so you would think after that, I would never drink again, but you know, our high school, like it was a small town. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. We on the weekends, we had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. We would drink and uh, go to a park. Mm-hmm. You know, it was back in the 80s. So uh, we knew all the cops. It was, it was pretty Mayberry esque. Yeah. It was just like, you could get away with anything. But it really wasn't a problem, problem. Yeah. Um, it was more of was, like a social situation than anything was, else. Yeah. yeah, it was social. But the, but the thing was, is that's what we, you know, on the weekends, you just wanted to drink. But right. there, yeah. you know, we did do weird things, and uh, I mean, I, I I don't know if it's weird or not, but on the first day of school and the before Christmas break, we would gather <laughs> before school and get hammered and go into school. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it was just special occasions. Yeah, um, special occasions. Special occasions, and um, you know, the feeling of being drunk was just. Uh, it was just fun. I just, you mm-hmm. know, you just let your hair down and you do yeah, crazy all stuff. the inhibitions and, go away. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it, but I could always stop. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it just wasn't an issue. Um, I didn't think, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was 21, I got a job at a bar. I was a bar back and a server. And that's really sometime between when I started there and two years later, it got to a point where I couldn't stop drinking, mm-hmm. you know, and we were, you know, I, I'm not a club guy, but I loved a bar. I, I loved that bar. Cause I was known there yeah. and you worked there and I had friends there and got it was like, cheers. To. Yeah, it was <laughs> but a little bit dirtier, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, you know, it just got to a point where I couldn't stop. And I remember coming home one night and I lived at home at the time and, um, I remember uh, I was hammered. I I had a full plastic um, glass of kamikazes, you know, oh, on no. my way home. On my way home, and mom was like, "Are you, you know, are you drunk?" And and we had some sort of conversation where it ended up, "I don't want to end up like dad. I'm fine." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and cut two, I couldn't stop, and uh, you know, I I. Uh, got a job, a real job, but I kept going back to that bar and I mm-hmm. was living with these guys. Um, and we would have parties every night and I was supposed to be going to South Carolina for a job that my dad got me, but I, mm-hmm. I would go there for a couple days. I would get hammered, barely do my job and come back, yeah. you know, and then, and then just party and party more. Um, yeah. and you know, my whole life, it was so funny. I never, I smoked mar- uh, marijuana. I smoked the I smoked the pot. Um, you just once. sounded you just sounded eighty years old. I yeah. smoked I, marijuana I like smoked you're in marijuana. an educational yeah. video. <laughs> uh, uh, I got you're so hip and cool, Craig. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I got high my first time <laughs> when I was twenty one. I had always I just mm-hmm. never, and that was like okay. Um, but then I was, uh, 23 and I was drinking all the time and I refused to do drugs, but then I started hanging out with this guy that brought out some cocaine. And Mm -hmm. from the moment I touched cocaine to about six months later, it just rocked my world to where Mm -hmm. I was doing nothing but drinking and doing cocaine every day. Yeah. And, uh, my parents were, you know, I, my parents my dad was sober at this point and my older brother got sober. I'm not, I, you know, um, you're not supposed to call out people, but, uh, I have family members that are, that were sober as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that I went to a, 
a halfway house and, um, you know, stopped for a minute. And then basically until I was 26, I was sneaking around. I just couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. I, when I start drinking, I can't stop. Yeah. Um, and finally one night, and it was funny cause I was, I, after, you know, they, after I got out of the halfway house, I was living at home again, but I was still drinking and I was mm-hmm. hiding, um, I would go and buy the little bottles of vodka and sneak Mm -hmm. them in. And by the end, I had two trash bags, two hefty bags full of empty bottles. And I went to my parents one night and I was like, you know, you got to stop me. I got, Mm -hmm. I cannot stop. You've got to put me somewhere. And it was so bad that um, they were like, okay, we'll get you through the weekend. Then we'll put you somewhere. We're going to lock everything. And they had left and I found keys, went and bought vodka to get me through the weekend. Because yep. I just couldn't stop. You and just they, couldn't stop, yeah. yeah. And they put me um, into a, 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 a whatchamacallit, a rehab. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I stopped. I, mm-hmm. I started doing a program. Um, I don't want to get into the specifics of that because it's, it's you know, it's, I'll just say that I – do Alcoholics Anonymous, but I don't want to mm-hmm. get, you know, that's an attraction, not a promotion thing. So right, uh, yeah. I don't want to get into details, but that's what worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my life was pretty good, but, uh, you know, that was in 1996. Mm-hmm. And then about mid 2000, I just wasn't being a good person. I was, st- I was lying. Yeah. I was cheating on every girl. And I had a, I had a girl friend cheated on her constantly uh just started doing little just my my soul wasn't right i would just you know and things kept going down yeah so very different from the craig who you are today right and um and it's so funny that you know when you talk about weed Mm -hmm. some people say it's not addictive and some people say it's a gateway drug well Mm -hmm. about 2009 I wasn't doing anything as far as keeping my keeping myself clean and sober, mm-hmm. except for not drinking. Um, and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start smoking weed. Mm-hmm. And I started smoking weed. <clears throat> Within two weeks, I was doing coke again. Yeah. Um, and I did that for about two years. And and it, I was, you know, went to jail a couple times. I was back living at home, sponging off my parents. I'm going on being yeah. 40, uh, just a loser. And um, you're I just decide- like chasing the high at this point. Well, I just couldn't stop. Yeah. And that's the thing with me is I just can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people can. Some people, you know, there's different. I don't want people to hear my story and go, well, I'm not as bad as him because it gets worse um, because there's different degrees. Yeah, for sure. To me, when alcohol or if. To me, if alcohol or drugs is interfering in your life to a point where it bothers you, then it's something to look at. Yeah, if there's that, like, emotional check that you're feeling, like, I don't know if I should be doing that, like, this might be an issue, then it's probably an issue. Right, Yeah. right. Um, And so after doing coke for a while, I decided that it it was getting me... I was getting affected by it too much. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do meth instead. Because. (laughs) because Yeah, that's usually what people do. (laughs) In my head, it was, that was more control. Uh, If if you've never done meth, I don't suggest it. Um, (laughs) It, it just, I don't know. I found it and I was like, okay, this is going to, this is going to be, this is going to be my thing. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can do this. Um, and it got to the point towards the end where I was smoking meth, smoking weed, and then doing GHB to go to sleep, which is the date rate drop. I was basically taking a liquid form just to be able to go to sleep at night. Yeah. I weighed 130 pounds. Um, I was, you know, sick as a dog and I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my parents didn't know what to do. Uh, they, they, uh, my Little brother stopped talking to me. I I was stealing money because I had a mm-hmm. habit. I was just I was just a criminal is what it came down to. Yeah. I had gotten fired from so many jobs, but I was waiting tables because mm-hmm. my whole life I've been in the restaurant industry and I've managed 
but at that point I was waiting tables cause you get the quick money and I'm, mm-hmm. it, and that's you know, what I, you needed. Yeah. I needed at least a hundred to $150 a day is how much I was doing. Wow. Um, and got to the point where I left work one night and thank God I was driving for six months on a suspended license cause I'd gotten mm-hmm. a ticket and I certainly wasn't going to pay it cause that's my drug money. Um, and so I, uh, got pulled over mm-hmm. and this is where I, this is where everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Because what I'm about to tell you is a horrifying story, mm-hmm. but it's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Yeah. Um, so I got pulled over and it was a local cop and they, I had a suspended license and I was trying to talk, talk them out of putting me in jail because I was like, here, I've got, I had money. Um, I also was desperately trying to get them to not search the car because I had uh, meth, weed, pipes, everything in my car. Um, And they were like, no, we're going to take you can post bail there. It's just a little thing. And because I was such an asshole to them, once they got me in the car, they decided to go back and check my car. Mm -hmm. And it became something simple into a felony. Um, And they... uh, I got transported to county jail. Mm-hmm. Um, I was calling. Nobody would take my calls. Nobody yeah. would. Uh, they were like, we're done. Figure it out. Yeah. We're done with you. Um, and my, and so now I'm coming off of, I'm basically detoxing from drugs in a county mm-hmm. jail. Fulton County Jail in Atlanta mm-hmm. is a terrifying place. I can imagine. It's a terrifying place if you weigh 120 and you look like an insurance salesman like I do. It's just not, (laughs) if you, people who don't see me, I don't have any tats. I don't have, you know, I look, I look like. An insurance salesman. You look like Jake from State Farm. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking that too. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) I would Um, like to note that Craig is wearing the Chris Evans knives out sweater. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if your wife bought that for you that's why if you didn't know um <laughs> well, if i look like chris evans i'll take it um right, exactly um so <clears throat> for me uh so i got thrown into county i was coming off of you know mess they put me in with a gangbanger teardrop tattoo and the first night we were playing you know i was already scheming on how to get out of there Mm -hmm. and when i got out i was going to be selling his drugs for him Uh, i had no intention of quitting i could only think of where i was going to get my next score and i had to get out um by the third night and at that point i was losing my mind and i was banging my head on the wall and i was I, i was just i was trying to find a way i don't think i was serious but I was looking, I was like, I need to kill myself because this is terrible. You were just and I can't like detoxing it. and miserable. Yes. And um, so this guy was like, what the hell is wrong with you? And we yeah. got into it. He beat me so bad. Um, and I've got a picture that I keep to this day of how I look. Mm-hmm. I He basically banged my head on the toilet and uh, was like, if you tell anybody, I will kill you. So I sat there probably for 12 hours, um, Mm -hmm. keeping my mouth shut. And then we got to go out and to to eat. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to keep my head down. And I was like, I was just, and one of the guards was like, hey, what's going on? And what what happened to you? I was like, nothing. I fell. He was like, no, no, no. So they took me away and they kept badgering me until I told. Um, And so they had nowhere to keep me. Uh, I, I, I was, and I was sitting there and I, saw this guy walk in i was i was in the um where the nurse is mm-hmm. um and then i was like pain pills pain pills but no mm-hmm. they give you two aspirin but shut the fuck up right um because they know what they know what you're you know, i'm sure there's plenty of people in prison that are like i'm yes. gonna throw myself down the stairs so i can right. have painkillers yeah. right right so um that this guy walked by and i just started talking to him and he was a da um and he said, I'll find you. And I said, I just need help. And um, so they had nowhere to put me. They put me in this room that I think was a gym at one point because there was mm-hmm. basketball hoops. And there was, it, I don't think it was ever used. It must have been old. It was filthy. There was these things that looked like rowboats. Mm-hmm. 
And so I went and I saw bags of dirty jail laundry. And I basically grabbed the jail laundry and slept in a rowboat in a jail gym. Uh, this is where my life had gotten me. Yeah. And so this, this DA found me and talked to me. And <clears throat> actually, before that happened, I had looked up and, you know, say what you will. I'm not a religious person, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more of a spirituality aspect. But I mm-hmm. looked up and I said, God, please help me stop i can't stop Mm -hmm. myself please help me yeah and then the da guy came in um and talked to me for a little bit and then he called my he called my brother because i called my parents and i was like you got to get me out of here they're gonna kill me and they're like nope sorry sorry and the da called my brother and was like look i don't think he's gonna last two more days in here yeah if somebody doesn't get him out because i mean i my face was blue Mm. Um, I mean, I, I was just, I, I, I know that I had a concussion because, you know, I I could just, things were like in and out and like, yes, yes. It was just, it was just bad. So Mm -hmm. my brother posted bail and here's where I knew I wasn't, I think I was done. So they waited to let me out of jail, um, until three o'clock in the morning, my brother had posted bail like two o'clock in the afternoon and they waited to process me until three o'clock in the morning. And I had to walk through basically a very sketchy neighborhood to the Marta train. Mm -hmm. The first thing that happened when I walked out of that jail and I tell you, this girl walked up to me, looks at me and goes, do you like crack? And. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) and And I said, no. And I couldn't believe that I refused it. Right, because... yeah. And so I walked to um, the train station. There was another guy that was walking around, and he had just gotten out of jail. And he asked me if I wanted to come up. And I don't know what was going on with him, but he was like, hey, do you want to go get something to drink or whatever? I think they saw my face and saw just was like, this guy's fucked. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, no, I just, I'm going to meet my brother. Mm-hmm. And my brother was like, I, my brother was my saving grace. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he was done with me, but I, I you know, he was he like, didn't you want you to one... die. Yeah. Right. Right. And he was like, you got one chance. And right. uh, we went to a halfway, he went to this halfway house and that April 1st, mm-hmm. 2015 was the last time that I had a drug in my system, um, or a drink. Now here's, what's funny is I should have said this before. <laughs> I didn't drink during this because I knew that I was an alcoholic. And I was like, you know what? Because I got sober from alcohol mm-hmm. in 96. And I was like, I'm not going to drink. But if I do drugs, that's okay. That's how mm-hmm. my mind works is, you know, and people will say there are people that are in Narcotics Anonymous, alcohol, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It, it's all the same to me. If I put a substance in mm-hmm. me, I'm not going to stop. And I'm yeah. going to destroy my life. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. Yeah. But now we get to the good part, which is, you know, I just put my nose in the grindstone and did what I was told. Mm-hmm. I just, I just uh, talked to people, went to this halfway house, started a program. And the gifts that I was given in that time just by staying mm-hmm. sober was amazing. You know, and I started working at a hotel starbucks for eight dollars an hour mm-hmm. and that ended up becoming the director of food and beverage a year and a half later yeah um is that is that, that the, where you still are no i that's oh yeah because the, you know, the hotel you're at now is just open brand, yeah it's brand new yeah yeah um you know i'd never had a i'd never had a, a relationship that was successful mm-hmm. i had a you know or that i didn't ruin it by cheating mm-hmm. or lying or stealing yeah. you know and i met my now wife um at the hotel at the Marriott mm-hmm. and you know that's only because she's never seen me drunk she's never seen me high mm-hmm. um and it's just a she and I tell her the stories and mm-hmm. she gives me these like you know wide eyes mm-hmm. but she knows that it's a gift that um she's never seen that and hopefully never has to yeah. but you know I took this opportunity 
to do the, the one thing that I know that if I listen to myself, even to this day, my brain will sometimes go, it would be nice to have a drink. I've never had a drink in my life. Yeah. It would be nice to sit on the patio and have a margarita. And just like have a drink. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't do that. That's when yeah. I end up, you know, naked, waking up with no memory. That's just how you right. know, that's yeah. how <laughs> Like That's not going to, hey, you're yeah. not like a one drink person. Like no. you just can't do it. Yeah. So anyway, you know, I, my, my family um, came back around and I became a value to them. The, what, the other biggest gift is, uh, you know, I had worked myself up to where I was, you know, had my own apartment. I was mm-hmm. doing well. And my dad had dementia and had uh, had COPD and had a bunch of things going on. And mm-hmm. my mom was the only one taking care of him. And um, I decided to move back home mm-hmm. to help take care of him. And the family was okay with it. And everybody, yeah. Because I actually became somebody that was helpful. Yeah. Um, they could count on you. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was there for my dad. He knew that I was sober and, mm-hmm. you know, we were there for him when he passed away. He passed away at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was amazing that they didn't have to worry about where I was or what I was doing. Right. And I could yeah. be there for my mom. And since then I've been able, you know, I've been able to, you know, I actually, um, my mother's 80 and she's okay, but she has a giant house and, mm-hmm. you know, I stayed there if she wanted me to. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife and I are going to get a house at some point, but until I only say that because I just try to be of service today. I try to yeah. be of service to my family. I try to be mm-hmm. of service to other people. If there's anybody listening to this that thinks they may have a problem. I, you can contact Kelsey and you can call me and I'll talk to you anytime, day or night. Mm-hmm. That's just how I am. That's how I, that's how I've stayed sober is, is I tell my story at places mm-hmm. and I'm willing to talk to anybody at yeah. any time. Um, if you're a woman, I will give you another woman to call because it's just not always the best that's thing to do. Yeah. To, right. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you have any questions. And yeah, probably, so there's probably things that I've forgotten that I'll go back no, to. No, 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 that's fine. Um, so was there like a specific incident that like triggered you to be like, okay, like I can't stop? Or was it just like you just kind of got to the point where you were like, I do not have the ability to do this on my own. I've got to figure something else out. Like I need somebody to help me. You're talking about when I was drinking or? E- either one. Um. I, you know, it was only when I truly gave up mm-hmm. and said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Both times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first time I didn't even go into the first time I was in the hospital in, in 95, I was in the mm-hmm. hospital three times in a month mm-hmm. lying that I wasn't drinking, but I couldn't mm-hmm. stop drinking. And they actually, I actually had them take out my gallbladder, um, rather than admit that I was drinking. I think mm-hmm. they got so sick, they just like, oh, go better's like, we're going to take it out. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's it. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, because you then, didn't want to admit the problem that you had. Right. Yeah. And my parents were so blind at the time. Mm-hmm. And my family was like, oh, he's fine. He's just really sick. And that's how I got away with it, being mm-hmm. manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that, you know, it was a little bit, it was a couple months after that, that I don't know that I just woke up and I was like, I can't do this anymore, but mm-hmm. I can't stop. I was like, I've got to be somewhere where I can't get to it. Yeah, yeah. You knew um, that this was not something you could do on your own. Right. And there's yeah. a lot of people that think it has to do with willpower. I'm telling you, I'm a willful son of a bitch. It has nothing <laughs> to willful, do. Willful, stubborn, I don't stubborn. know, yes. both. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of things in my life through pure will and to fight. Mm-hmm. But this is something that I am just completely powerless of. Yeah. Um, you know, and I see... I see it all the time of it, it really comes down to being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had to dig through a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to get through because when I was doing the drugs, I had so much rage and anger mm-hmm. based on stuff that happened to me as a kid yeah. that I never fully confronted. And I think that's mm-hmm. why I, I relapsed 
yeah. is because I just pushed it away and was like, I don't have to confront this. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And it, it wasn't until I, you know, confronted it that all that anger dissipated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it, yeah, it, it, absolutely. It, it really, you know, and you know, the irony of what I do, I'm a food and beverage director. I set wine right. lists. <laughs> I, for this new hotel, every mm-hmm. piece of alcohol in there I ordered and, yeah. and set up. Well, and that was going to be my next question is okay. like, what is your, so like, I know you personally, like you, you, you don't drink and it's not that you don't drink, it's that you can't drink. Um, right. because like you said, you know, you'd love to be able to just have like a drink, you know, with dinner or whatever. Um, but that's not your reality. Um, so when it comes to your relationship with alcohol now, you know, kind of how have you gotten to like where you are now, you know, maybe to somebody who sees somebody that's struggling or is struggling or has struggled in the past that has that desire to like be around alcohol, has friends that drink, you know, whatever, Um, you know, how have you gotten to this point? Well, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people choose, they're like, I'm not going anywhere near alcohol. They'll tell their family to throw it out or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I've been in the restaurant industry and I'm good at it. Yeah. you know, and so it, I think because of the work I've done, it just doesn't mm-hmm. even click in my brain. It's just like and another beverage at this point to be around. It's a, right. It's a job. Mm-hmm. I have a job. And then if you're talking about like social, that's different. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, my job wise, mm-hmm. I have somebody, I always pick somebody and I'm like, hey, can you be my taster? Because I'm going to give you a secret about wine mm-hmm. and about booze. It doesn't fucking matter. You got the people that go, oh, oh it's right. just okay. Oh, no. blah, blah. No. I go and look what sells. Mm-hmm. I have somebody taste it. Does it taste like urine? No. Will people yep. like it? Yes. Oh, it's all and, the same. Yeah. You pay $60 yeah. for a bottle of wine or you pay right. $10 for a bottle of wine. It's a bottle of wine. Somebody's right. listening to this and being like, oh, my God, whatever. No, I mean, yeah. it's the it's, truth. So There are differences and I get it, but... I've seen studies done where like these high rated bottles of wine blind people are like, Oh, this is blah, blah, blah. And it turns out to be a $10 bottle of right, wine. Yeah, it's, just, it's like a, it's a freaking it, thing of Franzia. Like, <laughs> right. Right. My job is to find something that you're going to pay for and drink. Mm-hmm. And so really you just have to look at the trends. Yeah. And so I don't even have, when guys come up and they go, oh, you taste this? I'm like, I'll get my taster to taste it. I always mm-hmm. have a bar manager and I'm like, they'll yeah. take care of it. And I'll go, I'll say, is this going to sell? And and that's it. That's how I do it. Yeah. My job in my life, as you've seen, mm-hmm. I'm kind of off. Um, mm-hmm. As you've and you've encountered personally, I have a pretty. I'm just outgoing. Yeah. I. You're I just Craig. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm funny. I don't. You are to, funny. Craig is a com- I, is a freaking comedian. Yeah. I don't know anybody in my life who has made me laugh as much as you have you were just because you're one of those people that doesn't try to be funny you know like people you know they you know what people I'm talking about you know there's right. people that are like I'm so hilarious let me like say a joke here you know and you're just you just the things you say are just funny oh thank you I, you're welcome I, I, if I say something that will sound like I'm trying to be funny, but I did tell you, I love, I've always loved to make people laugh. It just yeah. makes me feel, it's kind of my high now is when I make yeah. somebody crack up, uh, I, it, I get a good feeling about it. Now, yeah. when I go too far, which I do often, and somebody's like, oh, <laughs> then I get that low of, of a hangover. Because part of being an alcoholic and an addict is my mind is skewed and i've been through some dark shit yeah so some right so, sometimes you mouth. go to that place yeah yes like knowing but, your um, limits and stuff yeah but i'm just you know i didn't i wasn't sure if i could have fun you know when you get mm-hmm. sober you're like oh god i'm not gonna be able to have fun right, yeah i have a blast my wife and i yeah. have a good time i go out to people i always i always have an escape route somehow yeah. though yeah i don't get myself trapped in a situation mm-hmm. and it's usually not because it's going to want to make me drink because when people get really drunk, mm-hmm. no offense, they get fucking annoying. Oh yeah. And when for I'm, sure. <laughs> for sure. And when I'm dead ass sober at 11 o'clock yeah, at night. It's not fun to be around. Yeah. Well, especially are... you go to bed at like 9 PM. So. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're well, awake, <laughs> if you're awake at 11, you're already going to be pissed. So. <laughs> yeah. So I always make sure like if somebody, if we're going somewhere, I'm driving. 
you know, I'm having oh, yeah. it or I know where Which I'm I do go. that too. Like I like, I always like to have an escape route right. too, but I just, right. I think it's just that like me and Anthony Sanchez actually talked about that because when we were all in Chicago, like he's the king of the Irish good pie. Like, he will just disappear. He was ready to go and he was gone. And we were like, someone's kidnapped him. Like, Oh my God. He was just at the hotel in bed. Like he was ready to go. So yeah. And, yeah, and I'll even fun. walk away for a little bit. I'll be like, yeah. okay, I'm going to go away yeah. because I don't. And I, but it won't be a situation because I never want, and I hate it when I tell people I don't mm-hmm. drink or whatever. And they're like, oh, does this bother you? I'm like, no. Like, I wouldn't say, be here if it did. Like, yeah, you're making you, me uncomfortable. Right. Exactly. You go and, does this bother you? That bothers me. Yeah. What you're holding in your like, hand don't is make not it, like, As CT would say, don't make it weird, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it happens a lot. It's like, yeah. you know, and it's just like, so I don't even, I don't really, I don't walk around going, oh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. Like, I don't drink. You know, Hello, everyone. Yeah. Like, I mean, people, I'll just order whatever and yeah. you know a coke or a water yeah well then a lot of and, breweries yeah. and stuff now are brewing non-alcoholic beer that you know like yeah. it has the same flavor allegedly but there's just no alcohol in it see i wouldn't do that for me yeah a i never i was never a beer drinker to me yeah. it was hard uh-huh. liquor it was hard liquor i feel like but that I would be that- kind of a gateway right it it probably depends i feel like if i was trying to mm-hmm. drink a beer for me I don't like the taste of it. So if I was yeah, trying, I'm okay. trying to achieve something else. If I'm, mm, and plus, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if I look cool. I'm not going to get a new yeah. beer to be like, see, and I bro. like, and see, I like, I love craft beer. Like, I like the taste of it. Um, and like, my thing is like, I'm not going to drink something if I don't like the way it tastes. Like, if it's disgusting, one, alcohol is expensive. So, right. um, but two, like, I don't know. I'm not worried about like being cool or looking cool. Like, I want it to taste good. And if it tastes like, crap like I don't want it you know like so and I know you know different people have different opinions but I like all the fruity drinks and um you know stuff that's not super strong because you know I'm a lightweight so but if if I um if I shunned people who drank Mm -hmm. I would miss a lot of fun yeah you would Um, yeah I would miss I would miss people that spell Yes, Y I S when they're drunk. Um, All right, <laughs> cool. You could cut that out. I'm I can't not make you laugh out. today. I can't make I'm you laugh not cutting it out. And then I hear stories like we have a friend whose story about the bush. Uh, yeah, one of our friends. I will. I will, I will leave the name out, but one of our no, friends fell that, into a bush. But, but I'm like, look, call me when you wake up in a bush amateur right in a bush please (laughs) tell me when you wake up at a stranger's house (laughs) (laughs) but i enjoy being around you know as long as there's and some people don't get to that point and i'm sure that you know i just want to be able to go out and be normal and not for sure it not be an issue um and i think if i keep being honest and keep doing the things that I've been doing there, uh, you know, I have no reason mm-hmm. to use again. Right. And the well, funny thing, it, go ahead. I think it's a, a lot too about like the people you put yourself around, like knowing yes. that the people that you're going to be around, aren't going to like turn into these like, you know, awful people when they drink, you know what I mean? That they're like, right. it's a social thing. It's not like, Oh, I'm drinking to like get drunk and black out because right. like I'm, I've got stuff that I'm dealing with and I'm trying to like push it down, you know, like if it's right. just like, I enjoy going out and having a good time and having some drinks with some friends or going out and having a freaking diet Coke with dinner, whatever, you know? Right, um, right. But you know, I think it's, I think it's important, you know, to just be mindful, you know, cause like, I mean, I haven't always put myself around the, the best people either. Um, and so I think it's really important to be mindful of like, okay, the people that you're around, like what is their purpose for doing what they're doing? You know, is it, is it like a, um, you know, is it being abused? Is it like a, you know, an emotional thing or is it just like, you know, a social, we're having a good time, whatever kind of thing, you know? So it's, yeah. And it's really hard. I don't ever classify anybody else mm-hmm. as yeah. an alcoholic or addict yeah. because it's just not for me. It's for that person mm-hmm. right. to come to grips because I know people that just drank you know, two glasses every night that decided mm-hmm. it was just affecting them and they couldn't do it. Yeah, and there are right, people who've sure. gotten to where, I, where I've gotten. And it's just, it's really, 
that's why I say if it affects your life and you ever want to have a conversation about it, then mm -hmm. you may decide there's so there's functional alcoholics, there's functional, mm -hmm. um, you know, people that can drink and have and do their life. Yeah. People that can do drugs and do their life. I'm not one yeah. of those people. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, one of the things I was nervous about doing this because I don't, it's, it's weird how it's weird when people talk about addiction, I don't ever want to seem preachy and I don't ever want to seem, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, and I don't walk around. Yeah. I'd say it, I'll, I'll drop it sometimes mm -hmm. when I feel like it's at a point, but I just normal for me. Yeah. But then I see, you know, how it's represented in certain places. Mm -hmm. Um, because do you know who I think oh, is no. one of is one of the most dangerous people for addicts out there? Who? Demi Lovato. Yeah. And, and I apologize if I call her her. I know they. Um, that, yeah, yeah, you're correct. It, it really inflames me the stuff that they have done because. Mm -hmm. As somebody, I think it's irresponsible. When you have a following like like right. they have, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and one minute you're saying you're an addict, and then you're uh, doing a video, basically re, um, you're doing your drug overdose and almost death as a video, which is super triggering for people who well, you know. It's insane to me. And then I don't, I, have you heard about the California sober? Mm -mm. Cause that's what they say they are. And there's, there's a movement called California sober, which mm -hmm. is fine, but I find it dangerous too, because of my experience mm -hmm. where people, they get sober, except they use weed. Now, so, which people, is what you did. And right, you saw, like, right. you know, and that did not work for you. California sober was not a good thing for Craig Howard. Right. And then, you know, but, and I hate to be judgy, but when you almost die because you're mm -hmm. an addict, mm -hmm. in my mind, and I've almost died twice. Mm -hmm. um, it's a slippery know, slope. It's, and you're, and you're, you've got all these people that look up to you, which mm -hmm. I don't know why I don't, but you've got, all, you know, you've got these little girls and they're like, oh, you know, I can just smoke weed. It'll be fine. Or I can mm -hmm. just do that now. Yeah. Now. And, and hey. some people, some, like you said, some people, it might be fine, but right. some people it might not. And so, I mean, to your point, having a platform like that and having these people of all ages and gender, especially now, you know, like all like genders and sexual orientations and everything, like looking up to you for various different reasons, you know, like, on one hand, that is unfair because, like, you know, they are just a person. But at the same time, when you've come out to be an advocate for a specific community yeah. and an advocate for someone who suffers from addiction, then when you choose to stand on that platform, like, you've just got to be just got to be a little careful. Um, and, you know, you know me, like, I try to give people as much grace as possible. But to your point, you know, as as a public figure, there is a responsibility there. There is when you when you go out and make statements, right? Because correct. Yes. If you were if, if you were making a statement about it, if you're not like you know doing it in private or you know whatever, if you're making a statement about it, um, one way or the other, there's a responsibility there. I mean, that's like me making a video about going to jail and getting beat up. I don't want to relive that. I would only right. want that if I want attention. Right. And that's where I feel that they. And this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Caveat, caveat, my opinion. If they aren't in the spotlight every three months, it's something mm -hmm. new. Mm -hmm. Because there was one point where they were after a small town frozen yogurt shop for having sugar free yogurt because mm -hmm. it was triggering that. for her and I made a that. statement about it. Yeah. And then now, just recently, she said, Oh, wait, I'm not California sober anymore. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work for me. Well, you just told everybody you were. Right. Yeah, so it's and it's I, just it's it's tricky. Um, it, it is tricky, and there I know there's a lot of celebrities that are sober that don't talk about it, or mm -hmm. that you know they'll talk about it within the confines. Right. That's where it does. I. That's where it's like don't. You're setting yourself up for a fall. Right. Yeah. 
Well, and I mean, I think to your point, you know, like everybody has their stuff that they that they deal with and they they struggle with, but it's not no two people experience something the same, right? right. And so when you choose to take a platform, um, like I said, it's a it's a really slippery slope, and right. um, you know, there's always going to be something that you know is going to lead somebody in the opposite direction, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think, I think it's just important for people who do have a platform, who do have an opportunity to, you know, inspire people, encourage people, whatever, to just be very selective about what they say and what they do when it comes to something like addiction, um, that is just so heavy and so cumbersome and there's so many layers to it. Um, because, you know, like, like you said, everybody's experience is different. You know, what works for you isn't going to work for everybody else and vice versa. Um, you know, so I, I, I completely agree with you that there's like a, I don't know, there's a line there that I think was crossed. Yeah. And sometimes some people just need to shut the fuck up. Is really what it comes <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Sometimes just because you have the platform, maybe yeah, it doesn't use mean you it. should use it. Yeah. And I hope they find their way, but that's, yeah. it, I, and it, we, it seems weird that I'm saying, I think the most dangerous person is Demi Lovato, but I've, I've hate watched this for a while just because mm-hmm. it's, it, it just seems like, cause I read a lot of entertainment stuff and I read, and mm-hmm. it just seems like there's a statement every three months about something like, mm-hmm. just, just do yeah. your stuff. Just, just do your thing, but just yeah. like be but, a little more quiet about it. <laughs> um, and that's why I was like, I don't want to, you know. That's why I'm kind of cagey about certain things because yeah. because it's your it was that was your experience that was what worked right. for you yeah you don't want to like sit here and prescribe something to someone no I just know that I was at the bottom and mm-hmm. I'm not anymore yeah and I would do anything in the world to help anybody mm-hmm. that needed it because yeah. it's just it, I I couldn't stop I would wake up every day and say please, please, can I please not do it? And I would do it as I'm walking into the liquor store as I'm going to the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do but this. Yeah, you Here's just your money. couldn't stop. I could, yeah. Like it was just a pull that I can't mm-hmm. explain to people. You know, and when I tell stories about some of the stuff that I've done, people mm-hmm. are like, other alcoholics get it. Other people are like horrified. Mm-hmm. Even Judith gets horrified. Mm-hmm. Like, how could you do that? I don't know. I have yeah. no, I can't explain. It was like you that's, weren't in control of your right. body. Yeah. And that's one of the, that's one of the weirdest things about it mm-hmm. is there's no real explanation. Mm-hmm. I can't really give you an explanation of why I've, why I stole as much money as I did, mm-hmm. which I have since paid back once I got sober. I can't tell you as why I was such a scumbag of a, a human being where mm-hmm. I would just lie or, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't explain it. Yeah. I'm just well, glad I don't that think, it's yeah, I don't think, now the why is important i think it's no. the it's your it's your realization that you that you did things that you know you were a certain way and now you're not and that's the point that i like mm-hmm. to make some people like to get into the you know why am i doing why and sometimes that doesn't matter it just mm-hmm. it just how do you stop right mm-hmm. the, the why is different for everybody right it um, really is and so two two questions so one what advice would you give to someone that, um, you know, maybe is struggling with some form of addiction, um, you know, whether it's substance abuse addiction um, or, I mean, like the list of things that you can be addicted right. to is right. never ending. So um, just someone who's struggling from addiction, what advice would you give to them? Um, reach out to somebody that has experience and talk to them mm-hmm. and, talk to them and then listen. And that was the biggest thing that I, that I did is I decided I'm going to listen. I'm going to do this right now today. Mm-hmm. And maybe I won't do it tomorrow. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, but right now I'm going to listen to somebody else because my mind doesn't lead me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't. And usually with the addicts and alcoholics, if you can't stop or if it's affecting your life, there's other people's experience that can tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that, and nobody tells me what to do. The problem with, and I, you know, if I can get into, the problem 
with AA or the problem mm-hmm. with some of these, pro- and not, not the problem, it helped me, the, the people's problems with some of these mm-hmm. programs is that they, I really, you really have to change everything. Yeah. You it's really not like a, to. just like a, you can pick here and there, like it's right. everything. But if you find the right person or the right group, they'll take you through it. And it's mm-hmm. not something you have, you know, I kept doing it because I kept seeing how it worked. I kept seeing that I wasn't drinking and my life was getting better. Mm-hmm. And no, my life is not great. You know, I'm sorry. My life is great, but not every day. I have bad days. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, have, you're a human. You know, yeah. Right. I mean, there's stuff, you know, I, I, I go through sadness. I went through my dad's stuff. I went, you know, mm-hmm. there's stuff you go through. A lot of people like me or when you're in when you're addicted is you mm-hmm. go through those things and that's your excuse to drink. Yeah. And once I take that away, I don't need that excuse anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just like, this is going to happen and tomorrow maybe that. And that's not usually, that's not the person I used to be. I used to have a cloud mm-hmm. over my head waiting for other shooters. But now I'm like, it's going to get better. Yeah. You know, and I love to, you know, get on and rage and that just makes that just, you know, I love I'm, a good Craig rant. Yes, when I rant, it's uh, it's just getting it out, and then I'm like, right. okay. And then I like, I mean, you you'll out. go on a rant, and then like a minute later, you'll be like, all right, cool, let's make fun of Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Stephen. That, that always makes me feel better too. Uh, we love uh, you, Stephen. <laughs> um, um, well, yeah, there was a part two question. Yeah. So on the other side of that, what advice would you give to people who? Um, know someone or have someone in their lives that they either like know is suffering from addiction like that you know has admitted that you know they're an addict or they can see it and they don't know how to help because like I'm the type of person I don't always know how to help but I want to help you know and so it's like um you know and not necessarily in like an you know an addiction situation just any situation you know I if I don't know how to navigate it, like I feel helpless and I feel like I'm not doing somebody that I love justice. Like I'm doing them a disservice because I don't know how to help. So, um, you know, to anybody who's listening, who maybe has somebody, you know, one of their friends or a family member, a coworker, whatever, someone in their life that they either know or see struggling with addiction, what advice would you give to them? Um, and that's a, it's a good question. There's multiple kind of layers to that actually. Um, because it just depends on what relationship you have and what they're doing. If somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I need help. That's one mm-hmm. thing. If you see it from the outside, mm-hmm. it's way harder to navigate. Yeah. Um, because it's real easy to become an enabler and mm-hmm. it's real, you know, and it's hard People came to me and said, you need help. And I don't listen. And a lot of alcoholics and addicts, I had to come to that decision. I don't know. Right, you know yeah. I said, I had to come to that decision. So anybody, you know, that tries to help um, or comes and confronts, it's usually yeah. just get the hell out of my way. Yeah. Um, the other part of it, though, is if you, let's just say somebody is in a relationship with somebody, be it mm-hmm. a father, be it a husband, be it a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's where I can just su- suggest a group. That's where you have to learn how to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. If you decide to stay in that relationship, mm. because um, it can be very damaging to try and take care of somebody else who has an addiction or alcohol problem. Yeah. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a thing called Al-Anon, which I used to make fun of, but it actually helps people take care of themselves. Because mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of friends that have to deal with addictive people in their life. And, you know, uh, and at some point, for me, everybody had to leave me for me to get it. Mm-hmm. Like I told you, everybody, I, I, like... If I had any ounce of any way to manipulate somebody, yeah, I would do it. And yeah. I, uh, so it's it's just a real tricky situation where. Mm-hmm. But if somebody comes to you for advice, you know you can tell them what you think. Yeah. But if you if you see it in your life mm-hmm. closely, 
it's a little bit trickier because I'm telling you, if you just go and tell that person and they're, you know, getting hammered every day or whatever, Mm -hmm. they're not, they'll, they'll tell you what you want to hear or it'll be a confrontation. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like a tread lightly sort of scenario. It is. And again, it's, you know, in that situation, I say you got to figure out what you need to do to take care of yourself. If that's what can you live with, what can you not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do you need to be done? You know, yeah. it just it just depends. And it's hard because there's so many, you know, there's codependence and there's love. Mm-hmm. And you, you think that you're, you know, the, the thing that I run into a lot is if I leave them, I'm abandoning them in their time and need. Yeah. Well, if not, they're going to take you down with them. Mm. that's just i've seen it happen over and over again yeah so that's good yeah i don't know if i answered you did i mean i don't feel like i don't feel like there was a right answer i mean like it's your experience so it's your answer right um well that was all of the questions that i have um is there anything else that you would like to share with the people before i let you go the people I don't know. It's also blowing my mind in like both of our backgrounds, like how dark it is. And it is for me, it is 4.59 PM central standard time. And it is pitch black. It's 5.59. Yeah. I guess it's dark. It's wow. It's five o'clock there and it's pitch black. Yeah. It's crazy. You're in Kentucky. Yeah. See dark. Oh, so sad. I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm like. I'm so sad. And you just cackle. This is great. This is this is our friendship. This is this is great. Well, I just want to say I thank you know I haven't known you that long, but you're a you're a highlight in my life as well as the well, group of people you. that we we are. I, I'm so glad that I was uh, allowed to meet some new people and and uh, form some new friendships based yeah. on a whack-ass show that we watch um, oh no it's so funny and um thanks for letting me I, i'm gonna do here here's my problem as soon as we get off i'm gonna tell myself how terrible this was oh i do that so, every, every episode i record it's okay <laughs> every single episode i record and i'm gonna I'm remember like, something <gasps> that i meant to say um but you know and maybe i've said too much and no luckily, no this I has been amazing you know, i mean the good thing about me is I, typically. I don't give a shit what you think about me because it's none of my business. And that's one of the things that I've learned. You know, it's none of my business. Unless I've been hurtful. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. That's what you think of me is none of my business is one of my favorite sayings because I've never thought about it that way, but that is so good. You can use that. I've taught you something. You have taught me. You've taught me so many things, Craig. You're a wealth of knowledge. You're just um, so wise. <laughs> well, just want to say hi to the TPs. Wink, wink. Hello, so. Hello friends. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, shut up, Steven. Um, <laughs> just toss it a shut up, Steven. It's not never. It's been a while. Just tossing one of those in is never going to hurt anybody. So, well. All right. We're, yeah, I'm. I'm I could go on and on, but I think I've, I've said enough. Well, thank you again for, you know, for coming on and for being willing to share your story, for being vulnerable about the things that you went through. Um, because I know that, you know, like you said, you know, relieving the stigma on this is important because it's something that, uh, you know, that it's kind of taboo to talk about and it shouldn't be. And that's, you know, yeah. a big goal of mine with this podcast is like, let's talk about the stuff that nobody else wants to talk about because it needs to be talked about. So, well, uh, well, Two quick things. Yeah. As you've heard my story, I am proof. If there's, and I've said it over and over, if there's anybody out here, out there, that feels like they're at the bottom of the barrel, you can come up. You mm-hmm. can stop. I physically could not stop. Mm-hmm. And somehow I did. And I know yeah. that doesn't make sense, but I, it, it's just, but it here was you are. But here I am. And if anybody listening wants to talk, Mm-hmm. Kelsey has my information. I'm not yep. going to get it out. I'm not going to just let it out over the air because I'm. Yeah, that's know. the. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But yeah, I don't. Need, I don't need any dick pics. Um, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> like reply, like you know, send me a message on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. If you have my number, text me. Whatever. Like y'all know how to get a hold of me at this point. So yeah, absolutely do that. Willing to talk to anybody. Yeah. Well, thank you, you so, much. so much again. I appreciate you. Thank you. Have a good night. You too.
All right, everybody, that is all that I have for this week's episode of the People Project Podcast. Um, As always, thank you guys so much for listening, for um, subscribing, for submitting questions when I ask for them um, on social media. Um, You know, the ratings, the reviews, they all are super super helpful too. Um, So I couldn't do this podcast without you guys. So until next week, y'all have a good night.